Welcome to the Connecting Place podcast. Here is Pastor Joe Caminetti. I'm excited about this series. In lesson one, we talked about uh, a stressless lifestyle, and we showed you the danger of staying under constant stress. And, and then in lesson two, last week, we dealt with a stressless marriage. And I'll tell you what, the chatter in the lobbies has been off the charts. And what I mean by that is people coming up to me and my staff and just saying, this message changed my life today. Thank you so much for teaching it. And the reason I share that with you is in, in case you weren't here, we have all kinds of formats here at Believer's Church where you can watch those for free, whether it's our, our BC apps or uh, whether it's our website or our, or our podcast, it's all for free. So I encourage you to hook up and to listen to that. And I had equal amounts of chatter and comments this weekend over what I talked about. And this weekend's all about stressless finances. So if you're visiting for the first time today, I want you to know that I haven't taught on money in months and haven't talked about money in months. But every now and then we want to talk about it because when you think about stress in your finances, two things come to my mind, guys. Here's, here's the two things. Number one, the end of the month, you paid all your bills and there's no money left. As a matter of fact, you might be in the red. How many of us can agree that causes incredible stress? Here's the other side of stress with finances. And it, it's huge in the day and time in which we live. The fear of the unknown, the fear of the future, the fear of what's going to happen next year or next week. And we live in a time and we live in a nation where uh, we're not 100% sure what's going to happen when we wake up tomorrow. We don't know where the dollar will be. We don't know what universal health care is going to do. Is it going to help us? Is it going to cost us more? Uh, we don't know where the future lies. We watch nations like Greek, uh, Greece. We watch them fall apart and we watch uh, their financial crisis. We see our debt going up. And it's really easy to have a lot of fear. It's like, my goodness, I don't know what's going to happen. And then we see how the economy had tanked for quite a long time, and we see how difficult it is to find a job, and all of those things cause stress. And so I want to just talk to you about what I have done in my life now for over 30 years to combat stress with my finances. The first thing that we deal with I had to learn, and in my 20s and 30s, I didn't understand it. So I'm going to teach you some, some things today that will absolutely bless your life. I want to um, start out by talking to uh, the younger generation that's here. And you guys know I, I never pick on any generation, and I'm surely not picking on you. And this will also be for some of us older people that, that have to learn these things. And I just want to show you what normal is considered for 70% of people in North America these are things that are considered normal. And the reason I'm going to deal with these normal financial thoughts that we have is because you and I live in a society, it's capitalist society, and capitalism I believe in, I love it, but everything you do, whichever direction you go, there are pros and cons. And one of the cons of capitalism is that we're constantly marketed to spend money, to buy things. And uh, there are certain thoughts that we have that really are not true, but we've been brought to a place to believe them. So I want to get you thinking with this opener that I'm going to do. And take a look at this. Uh, most people, normal finances, they feel we always have to have 
a car payment. We're going to have a car payment until the day we die, and we have to drive that newer, nicer car. That's a thought for so many in the younger generation, for sure. How about this one? We have to have a smartphone or a cell phone, and if we don't, we'll die. Some, <laughs> we, we will be in trouble if we don't, and we have to have the newest version. I could have put that in there. Um, we have to have cable or satellite TV, and life will go on if you don't, but we think that we do, and if, none of these things are bad if you can, but what I'm trying to say is if you're sitting at the end of the month saying there's nothing to cut, these could be some areas where you could make some cuts and balance your budget out so that you're not super stressed. Here's another one. We have to eat at least one meal a day at or from a restaurant, and some of you younger guys, high school and college, you know that for two bucks you can get a value meal and eat lunch every day. So that's kind of cheap. It's, you just have to think about what you're eating and uh, how bad it is for your health. But this generation, we have been bombarded with the norm is eat out. And I remember when I was a young boy, um, I had six brothers. And so there's seven boys, no girls. My mom and dad, my dad had a, a great job. Uh, they were incredible managers and, and budgeters of their finances, but they, we never went out to eat. We I never went to a restaurant until a relative took us. And junior high and high school, my whole life at home, we went out to restaurants three times. And every time was a relative taking my mom and dad and us kids uh, because mom and dad knew they couldn't afford it. And I remember it was three or four times a year they'd go get McDonald's hamburgers, just the regular hamburgers and small fries, and we'd each get a hamburger and fry maybe three, four times a year, and that was like a super treat. And so we're in the restaurant for the first time, and, and, and I sat across from my mom, and it's a nice restaurant, and one of my aunts and uncles wanted to take us all out, and um, my mom's looking at the menu. She found the least expensive meal, which was a dish of pasta, spaghetti, and I'll never forget her looking at my dad, and I don't know what, it, what could it have been in the 70s, two, three dollars, and she looked at my dad and she said, Jim, I could feed the whole family for what this one meal is going to cost me, and she was really perplexed, and I'll never forget my dad looking at her saying, Pep, he, he called her Pep, which is short for Pepino Joe, her name's Josephine, so he called her Pep, so he said, Pep, you need to relax and enjoy this meal, we're not paying for it, and I'll never forget the, uh, <laughs> just the, the exchange there with my mom and dad, and my mom understood that she could cook for everybody in that, on that table, all of us, with the relatives, and it would cost less money than that one dish cost. And we live in a generation today that, that doesn't understand that. And, and a lot of times if we say go to the grocery store, we're thinking of already prepared, you know, frozen meals and things. But you can go down to the basics and you can live really, really cheap. And that's something that you can learn from some folks that know how to do it. But you can save lots and lots of money if you need to. And then I like this one. We have to purchase expensive coffee drinks and... and uh, you can live on water. I'm, I testify to you that water will keep you alive. But uh, I like Starbucks. But when I go to Starbucks, I just buy a black coffee. That's what, I, that's, that's what I like. So I drink my coffee with no sugar, no cream. And I like it that way. So it costs me a buck ninety to two ten, depending on what Starbucks I'm in. But you can go way up to five bucks or so with fancy drinks. And if you can afford it, it's cool. But I just want to say there are things we probably could cut out of our budget. And then here's the next one. Uh, we, we don't have money in the bank for emergencies. 80% of Americans 
if they had a $5,000 emergency, would have to borrow money. And, and that's because this country we live in is telling us we have to buy everything we see. And I'm, I'm going to help you understand it as we progress. Uh, here's one more. We think we have to have student loans to take us decades to pay off. And thank God for assistance. But uh, sometimes stop and think and say, can I do this at a community college? Can I do it a little cheaper? Can I take it slower? Uh, you don't have to walk out of college with those huge loans. And uh, this other one I think is really true. We, we think we have to be in debt to live and that you can't live without going into debt. So I, I want to take those thoughts and I want to help you understand that there are probably areas where you can make some adjustments so you can balance your books. And that's really, really important. Here's what, what you and I are dealing with. The average American, you ready? The average American sees over 3,000 buy me messages a day. That's a day. So that could be a banner on a website. Uh, it could be you know, a billboard. It could be in a magazine. It could be a commercial on TV, the radio. But 3,000 times a day, a product screams in our ears, buy me, buy me, you need me, you need me. If you don't buy me, your friends have me. You're going to be without, they have something better. And whatever it is, it's just bombarding us. Buy me, buy me, buy me. So listen to this. If the average American born today will see over 1 million buy me commercials before age 20. So that's why I say it's, you know, it's, it's not necessarily our fault, but we need to take a look at the wisdom of God and say, you know what? I'll buy what I need, but that's it. And, and I, I think about the phone I have in my pocket. I do have an iPhone, but I won't buy a new one until it breaks. And so generations come out and people say, you still have the old one? You're like an old fogey, man. And, and, and then if you have a flip phone, they really make fun of you. But uh, I tell them, it, you know, to surf on the internet one quarter of a second quicker, I'm okay with this. It's all right. I can live with this. And, and so it's a matter of you and I figuring out, hey, what do I have to have to live? And you and I beginning to understand we can control what we buy and what we don't buy, what we do and what we don't do. So here's what I want you to walk out never forgetting today. You ready? The problem isn't what you're making. It's where you're spending it. And I know there's some of you in this room, the problem is what you're making. Stress is happening because you're not making enough. And I realize that. But the majority of us, the problem isn't what you're making, it's where you're spending it. Years ago, I talked to this man. He was doing over 300 tax returns a year for people. So he was doing people's tax returns. And uh, I just said, I want to ask you some questions. I don't want to know one name, and I wouldn't have probably known it, most of the people anyway. I said, but here's what I want to know. Do you do taxes for people that make six figures? He said, yeah, I have some people that make 300,000 a year. A lot of people make 100,000 a year. I said, okay, here's my question. How are their finances? Because he would know because he'd have to take interest, earn money, and that type of thing. I said, and here's what he said. He said the majority of them spend more than they make, and they're in debt, and they have no savings. And that really shook me. Now I understand it. Back then, I was just coming to understand it. And what I've come to understand is this. We can spend whatever we make. And I remember when I made 15000 a year, and I would think if I made 100000 a year, man, I'd put so much money in the bank, and I'd do this and I'd do that. And, and what you really probably will do is buy a nicer house, a nicer car, and have more toys and go on more expensive vacations. And 
it's easy to spend whatever you make, and that's important for you and I to understand. But I also asked him, I said, how about people that make 30, 40,000 a year? And here's what he told me. He said, I have people making 30, 40,000 a year. They actually tithe to their church. That means give a tenth to their church. They save money, and they're not in debt at all. They, they, they don't overspend. They budget their money. Of course, they're living within their means. And it was at that time I realized what I'm saying to you. The problem isn't what you're making, it's where you're spending it. And I had to learn that in my early 20s and 30s because for some reason I grew up in the consumer generation. Like I said, we were marketed, you know, buy, buy, buy. And I remember as my salary went up, I just spent everything I made. And, and I'm so glad God got a hold of me and gave me wisdom and taught me it's, it's not what you make, it's where you spent it. And I want to do my best to make that real to you. So I thought these stats uh, were really, uh, really interesting. According to the Wall Street Journal, 70% of American families are living paycheck to paycheck. Now, can I ask you a question? If you're living paycheck to paycheck, is that stressful? It's really stressful. We're talking about stressless finances. So where we want to get to is a place to where we're not living paycheck to paycheck. And that's a place that can be acquired. And we have people here going through Financial Peace University that it's happening in their lives. And I'll talk to you about it in a moment. Listen to this. The number one issue couples disagree about, it's family finances. 83% of couples fight and have stress in their marriage because of the finances. So this is a really, really huge deal. And I want to do my best to help all of us understand it. So many of you already have this wisdom, and I want to encourage you to help younger people but then there's so many of us because of the nation we live in, we don't understand these simple truths. So I like to put it this way, two money principles that will take away financial stress. Here's number one, understand that your money must be managed. You have to create a budget and then live within that budget. Listen to this proverb, Proverbs 21:20. It's really strong. In the house of the wise are stores of choice food and oil, but a foolish man devours all he has. Now, this was written when people lived in farming cultures and so on and so forth. Today, if this were written, it would go like this. In the house of the wise, people have savings accounts, stock investments, but the latter part would be the same, but a foolish man devours all he has. That just simply means you spend every penny you make. And that's a strong word. I like to say it this way they lack wisdom. <laughs> and if you lack wisdom, you end up spending every single penny you make. That's why this proverb was written, Proverbs 17, 16, of what use is money in the hand of a fool since he has no desire to get or obtain wisdom. So I realize some of you need better incomes. I know that. I understand it. I realize that some of you might be sitting here. At one time, you had um, health insurance and then you retired and that company defaulted and now you're having to buy supplemental. I know that's happening. I watch it happen in people's lives. I watched it happen in my parents' life. I know what's happening out there and I know the stress that's out there because of the unknown. But you and I, we want to do everything within our power to manage what we have and not to overspend. That's why I started with my opener because sometimes we think, I don't have anything to cut and we have a $120 a month cell phone. 
uh, built. Yeah, yeah, you, you can cut something. They still have this landline thing that you could do. And, and, uh, and people can't call you anytime you want, but that's kind of fun because, you, you know, you have a little recorder and then you listen to your messages when you want. It's pretty, pretty freeing. And so there's different things you can do in order to save, and that's something you have to uh, just learn to do. So I like what this incredible financial person said. Larry Burkett said this. He said, a budget is simply telling your money what to do instead of wondering where it went. And I know in my 20s and 30s, I'd, I'd look at my checkbook and say, what happened? Where'd it go? And I just didn't have the wisdom that I needed to have. And Dave Ramsey says it this way, one definition of maturity is learning to delay pleasure. And just having the attitude, someday I might have that, but today I'm going to balance this budget and I'm going to save some money and put some money aside. So I may not buy as nice a clothes as I could buy. How many of us agree you can always buy something more expensive? You can always do that. And, and so I might get more years out of this car than, I'm, than, than, than I currently am getting. I don't have to have a car payment. I can drive something that's not brand new and all those types of things. So here at Believer's Church, I realized what a big deal this was years ago. And I realized what this culture was doing to good people, people that love God, people that are good, nice people. And it's just telling us, spend everything you make. So we started to uh, make available Financial Peace University by Dave Ramsey. And it's amazing the testimonies that we have of people going through that. That's all about helping you not only make a budget, but he gives you a plan to pay debt off. So if you're sitting here with debt, incredible course. Thousands of dollars of debt are paid off within, within months. It's just absolutely amazing. And he gives you the strategy. He teaches you how to do it. Teaches you how important it is to budget. And so if you haven't gone through that and you're sitting here and you're saying, Pastor Joe, I don't disagree with you. I just don't know where to start. That's an incredible place to start. It will change your life. Gene and I took our younger staff through it here uh, last year, and we were amazed at how incredible it was. So I want to encourage you that it's absolutely amazing. Now I want to talk to you about the next part, which is really, really cool. And it's just simply, we need to understand that God can bless and protect your finances if you place him first in your budget. And so often when you're in church, especially if you're visiting today or you're new, it's like you get really nervous if the pastor talks about politics or money. It's like, oh no, he's going to talk about money again. And here at Believers, I don't talk about it a whole lot, but I remember years when I didn't touch it and God would begin to deal with me and say, you're living in something you're not allowing other people to live in. And I'd say, God, I just don't like talking about money. And then he would deal with my heart. But you understand some things that are blessing your life. You need to teach people so their lives can be blessed. And you're not doing this for you. You're doing this for them. And then I just came to the place where I said, okay, Lord, I'll do that for your people. I'll teach on finances. And you guys know me. I don't shove anything down anyone's throat. I'm just going to give you some things to think about, tell you how God's blessed my life and the lives of others by just simply putting him first in our budget. And I've been tithing now, which means giving a tenth of your income, I've been doing that now for 35 years. And I want to tell you, man, God is absolutely, incredibly faithful. He's amazing on how he's protected me, pulled me out of trouble, and how he's blessed my life. And I had to learn to budget so I didn't 
eat every bit of the blessing. And, you know, so we learn to budget so we can begin to save and we can begin to prosper as God intends us to prosper. But let me tell you real quick, and some of you that have been here a while, you've heard me say these things before. I was 20 years old when I found out what tithing is. I'm 54 now, so I guess it's been 34 years. And, and so I heard what tithing was, and I was absolutely shocked. I couldn't believe it. And I, I just said to God, because, you know, I'm, I'm, I, he's real in my life. I accepted Jesus. I said, God, this is crazy. Are you, are you nuts? I sat in church and watched. My dad was one of the biggest givers in the Catholic church where we went, and he gave $5 a week. And I'm like, God, you're, this is crazy. And at that time, the pastor at the church I went to, he bought a brand new Buick. That really made me mad. And you know, it was a smaller church, but he was bivocational, which means he worked a secular job. So, I mean, he was, and he was in his 60s. I mean, he deserved to drive that car. He budgeted his money right. But I was mad because I was driving an old car that was rusty and falling apart. And I said, God, there is no way I'm going to tithe to this church and he's going to live high in the hog and I'm driving that clunker. I just am not doing it. And I said, these, these preachers all want our money. And, that, and that's what I was thinking at that time in my life. And I'll never forget the battle that I went through. I found all the scriptures in the Bible on the subject of tithing, and I read them, and as I read them, I wrestled with them. So this wasn't a one-weekend thing. I wrestled, and I wrestled, and I said, I said God, I, I don't know, man. I see it's in there. It's right, but this is blowing my mind. And that's when God dealt with me about faith, and he said, believe it trust me watch what i'll do for your life and it was that battle and i'll never forget when i decided to do it and it doesn't always happen for everybody this way but i think god saw my sincerity he saw my my place and what i was dealing with and he saw me make a decision to put him first and i began to tithe and i'm the personality in case you don't know i don't fly by the seat of my pants when i teach i'm very meticulous very uh, orderly but in just about every other area of my life, I just jump in and I figure I'll fix it as I go. And uh, so, so with tithing, I just said, I'm going to do it. I'm just going to do it. And I just began to do it. And it was amazing. Within months, and, and again, I can't promise this for anybody else, but I'm just telling you what God did in my life. I had someone come up to me and give me a new car. It wasn't exactly brand new, but it was like new. They said, I just want to give you a car. And I'm like, really? Yeah, I just want to give you a car. I had someone else come up. I had a business debt that I had gotten out of business and came out with debt. Someone else come out to, up to me and said, I want to pay your debt off for you. I said, really? Yeah, I want to pay your debt off for you. I went to Bible school shortly after, and, and I didn't have money to buy furniture yet, and so I was just going to use a sleeping bag and a pillow and just, you know, get to school. I just wanted to get to school. And, and um, I walked in a convenience store because I was lost. This is before GPS, and I was desperate. I'm, I'm a guy. I never asked, but I was so desperate, I walked in the store. And, and, uh, when I walked in, I go up to the counter, and the man at the counter, he looks at me, and he says, are you here to go to Bible school? I'm like, are you psychic or what? I mean, I don't, I, I said, yeah, how do you know? He said, well, when you walked in that door, he said, the Holy Spirit, and I didn't understand any of this at the time, he said, the Holy Spirit spoke to my heart and told me to give you all of my furniture. I said, really? He said, yeah, I just finished school. I'm going to go home. I was going to take it with me. I was going to sell it. He said, but when you walked in, God said, give that guy all your furniture. And so I had all my furniture. And I, I stand before you as a man that can tell you what God promises in the Bible works, but I can't make you do it. 
I'm going to just talk to you about it, show you some scriptures. And you have to wrestle like I did with God. It's between you and God. I can tell you, I've watched God bless life after life after life after life as people submitted. And when I think of the time we're living in, oh, I am so glad I'm a tither because when I turn the news on, I don't know about you, but I try to watch the news a half hour to hour every day and I lean more towards conservative news. But I'll try to listen in a half hour, hour a day and it's just like someone took a bottle, a bucket of yuck and they threw it on me. I just, you feel so yucky because it's just, it's like the world's gonna, the sky's falling. It's, it's like crazy. And after I do that, I always just remind myself, Lord, I thank you that I'm a tither, and I thank you that you meet every need in my life, and I thank you that you protect me. I thank you, Lord, that I'm connected with you in that area of giving. And it's amazing the stress it takes off my life because I know no matter what, God's my God. And I put him first, and he's going to put me first in every area of my life. So uh, Israel... They're slaves in Egypt for hundreds of years. God delivers them, and then he gives them this thing called the Law of Moses. And in the Law of Moses, he talks about this covenant he wants to make with them. And he said, I want you to tithe. I want you to give a tenth to my temple so my, my priests can do their thing. And he said, I want you to do this. And then here's what he said to them. He said, it's going to bless your life. And later on, when you're really blessed, I don't want you to forget it's me that's blessing you. So that's how this scripture came about. Listen to this scripture, Deuteronomy 8, 17 and 18. And it reads like this. You may say to yourself, my power and strength of my hand have produced this wealth for me. But remember the Lord your God, for it is he who gives you the ability to produce wealth and so confirms his covenant, their tithing covenant with him, which he swore to your forefathers as it is today. And he's just telling them, if you put me first and you help my work on the earth, today we do that by giving to our local church. You put my work first, he says, I will bless you. And he says, as I bless you, remember, it's me. <laughs> I did it for you. This is not your brains and yourself. And I know some of you are extremely bright. For me, it's, I know it's God. So that's cool. So guess what they did? Years passed and they stopped tithing. And they had all these problems. And the Bible says their pockets had holes in them. It's like their money just, they couldn't hold on to any of it. And so God wrote this, Malachi 3, 10 and 11. He's telling them now to come back to what they began doing. He says, bring your full tithe to the temple treasury so there will be ample provision in my temple. Test me in this and see if I don't open up heaven itself to you and pour out blessings beyond your wildest dreams. For my part, I will defend you against marauders, protect your wheat fields and vegetable gardens against plunderers. I love this text. So he's saying, I'll bless you, I'll open heaven. That just simply means God says, I'll put my hand of blessing on you. And it just simply means, he says, in some translations, I'll rebuke the devourer or I'll protect you. And it's just what happens when we begin to tithe. So God's reminding them, hey, this is what you did. This is what I did. Start doing it again and I'll do the same thing again. And it's absolutely amazing. So for me, you might be sitting here saying, Pastor Joe, you have increased my stress level to just to think about tithing has increased my stress level. This is supposed to be stress less, and it's stress more, Pastor Joe. Um, but let me tell you, I'm stressless because I know I'm tithing to the kingdom of God, and God's going to take care of my needs. He doesn't make all of us millionaires and billionaires, but he blesses us above our ability, and I love the fact that God will bless me above my ability, and he'll bless you and he's blessed others above their ability and it's just this covenant that we enter into so some of you might say man i'm not sure if it's new testament or not and i'm not going to read this scripture but first corinthians 9 13 and 14 paul said 
it is New Testament because it started with the law, but it continues. It's a principle. It never ends. So you might be here saying, Pastor Joe, that's, that's all cool. But man, I don't know where to start. I, I don't have any extra money. Well, you want to go through Dave Ramsey's and get your debt in check. And then I would encourage you to start somewhere. See what you can cut out of your life and begin to give a percentage and say, God, I, I can't tithe because I'm in this mess, but here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to give 1% a month to you. I'm going to give 2%, 3%. I'm going to start here, and you said to put you to the test. I'm putting you to the test, and I'm going to be consistent supporting your work, and I'm going to let you do what you want to do. Because God looks at everything in percentages, and I think this story is so cool. Listen to this story. This is a, a cool story, and it goes like this, Mark 12, 41 through 42. Jesus sat down opposite the place where the offerings were put, and watched the crowd putting their money into the temple treasury. Many rich people threw a lar in large amounts, but the poor widow came and put in two very small copper coins worth only a fraction of a penny, so less than our penny. Jesus said this in verse 43, calling his disciples to him, Jesus said, I tell you the truth, this poor widow has put more into the treasury than all the others they all gave out of their wealth, but she, out of her poverty, put in everything, all she had to live. And here's why I'm reading this. God looks at everything as percentages. Do you realize that if someone makes a million dollars a year and they give 100000 in a tithe, and you make 20000 a year and you give 2000 that you have actually given equal amounts of money in the eyes of God? God's looking at percentages. And you might be sitting here saying, what can I do? It's, well, it's not about just what you can do. It's about what God can do for you as you begin to trust him and enter into that covenant with him. I think most of us know it costs money to run a church. And, you know, I, I shared in some of the other services, won't take time here, but our monthly expenses, if you just the basic expenses for utilities and mortgage and uh, all those kind of things. Well, guys, let's show them real quick. Just some of you may be curious. Uh, they put them up there for me. Our mortgage payment's $21,164 a month, a little more than most homes. And uh, we, we owe $2,350,000 if anybody wants to pay it off. That $21,000 disappears. So you can see me after service. And then <laughs> utilities are $13,000 a month just for utilities. That's gas, electric, and water, and those kind of things. Lawn care is $1,125. Payroll is $82,870 a month. That's 18 full-time and 11 part-time, and, uh, and it's bare bones, but we have an incredible group of employees. And so the total is $118,000 plus some change a month. That's $1.4 million a year just for the basics. And there's so many more things we have to do in the budget so as you give, it enables us to do this. So I want you to think about it. Some people say, Pastor Joe, the gospel should be free. And, and they're right. Actually, it is free. But guess what else is free? Water. But guess what? They have to purify it. Guess what? They have to build pipes to bring it to your house. So you're not paying for the water. You're paying for the water to be transported and treated and brought to you. And the gospel is free, but... In order for a local church to do what we're doing, and, and I get so excited when I watch people being water baptized and I see lives being converted, we exist to see a city connected with God. It just costs money to do all of it. So as you give, here's how God's seeing it, okay? You're helping me do what I need to do in the earth. I'm going to open up the heavens over your finances and I'm going to bless you and I'm going to protect you. And that's kind of what God's doing. It's that covenant that he made and he makes with his people. 
So I think I did as good as I'm going to do today. And I've got everybody thinking and everybody's talking. And uh, the chatter will be beautiful in the lobbies because I had incredible chatter that was positive in the first two services. And here's my prayer for you. I think you can see where I'm, I'm at. I'm just trying to help people see what the Bible says. And then I'm always challenging people. So what's the next step? The next step for you is to decide if you believe the Bible or not. Maybe do some more research, read some books, uh, anything you want to do, check it out. And, and then to make a commitment with God and say, hey, I'm going to go to Dave Ramsey or hey, I'm, I want to get my finances in order because some of you tithers might be spending every penny God blesses you with, so you need to get your finances balanced and your books balanced too. And, and then you just say, God, if you're not a tither, I'm going to connect and begin to become regular. And I'm just going to begin to give on a regular basis to this church and to, or to whatever church you're part of. And I'm going to sow that seed into the church. And God will begin to do what he wants to do. He'll bless you and he'll protect you. So I want to ask you a question. For all of you that are tithers, for all of you that have seen the power of giving at any level, can we take a moment and just thank God for blessing our finances and thank him for protecting us? Let's just do that for a minute, man. Yeah. Now, for some of you that you clap just because you didn't want people to notice you didn't clap, and you say, I, I, I didn't have that in me, PJ, to do that, that's okay. I was, in, I was where you're at one time. And so I'm so glad God's growing all of us in every area of our lives. So let's close our eyes. Let's bow our heads. Lord, I, I've done my best to teach an incredible part of the Bible, a part of the Bible that's changed my life and given me great peace. Lord, for every person here that uh, have never even thought about the fact they can budget, <laughs> they can manage their money, I thank you that they were here today. And Lord, I thank you for uh, encouraging them to get into a course like Dave Ramsey's that changed their life forever, Lord. Lord, I thank you for helping us to think we maybe don't need everything we have and everything we pay for. And I just thank you, Lord, for dealing with us, those of us that need that. Deal with our hearts. And Lord, I thank you for showing us that you're the God that wants to be involved in our finances. And Lord, for many in here, we are tithers. We're just going to rejoice in the fact that you're blessing us and you're protecting us. And for others, Father, they have tithed, but they've stopped for whatever reason. Maybe a church hurt them. Whatever it is, Lord. And I just thank you for helping restore them back into this covenant with you. And Lord, for all the new people, we just I'm so excited about all the new people here and our visitors, Lord. I've been where they're at. And so I thank you, Lord, for what you did in their lives today. And Lord, all of us just say, open up our eyes and open up our hearts. And we thank you for dealing with us in this area. I just want to do one more thing before we go, one more prayer. So can we stay in an attitude of prayer? Can we bow our heads, close our eyes if they're not already that way? And maybe you walked in here today and you weren't sure of your eternity. Because today I was teaching Christians what God would do for them. But maybe you're here and you say, Pastor Joe, I'm not even sure if God exists or I'm atheist, I'm agnostic, or, you know... I just don't know. I think he's there, but I'm not sure. I've never met him. So with heads bowed, eyes closed, if you're here and that's you, I just want to say to you what's been said for thousands of years. God did send his son. Jesus did die on a cross, and he died for the sins of the entire world, and he took your sins and all your failures, he took them, and he paid the price for them. He was buried, spent three days, three nights in the heart of the earth. Then God raised him up from the dead, and Jesus is alive, and 
Here's what he said. He said, I'm the way, the truth, and the life. Anyone that wants to come to heaven, they just simply have to come through me. That's good news. He said, whoever calls on my name, I will save them. That's good news. And it all begins with you and I making a commitment to receive Christ as our Savior. So heads are bowed, eyes are closed. If you're here and you say, Pastor Joe, I believe he died. I believe what you said about Jesus, and I'm ready to pray today. I want you to pray with me right now. I'm not asking you to join our church. I'm not asking you to leave your church. I'm not asking you if you were water baptized or as a child, as an adult. Here's what I'm asking you. Can you remember a day where you accepted Christ? And if you can't, and you say, I'm ready to do that today, pray with me. Everyone else here, would you help them out? Heads are bowed, eyes are closed. Say this from your heart, the miracle happens. Just say, Lord God, I realize I'm a sinner. I repent for all my sins. And this day, I give my heart to Jesus. Jesus, I believe everything the Bible says about you. Thanks for dying for my sins. I receive you as my Savior. And I make a decision today to follow you and become your disciple. Amen. Thank you for listening to the Connecting Place podcast. For more information about Believer's Church, visit believers.cc.